Welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. This week, I sit down with one of those former co-workers of mine again, who I would pass in the hallway all the time and have no idea what they were going through. John Seidel and I make up for lost time on this week's edition of At The Mic. But first... Let's have a chat about America's 40th president and the man who this month's featured APR coffee blend is named after, shall we? Ronald Reagan. I mean, sure, he has the nickname The Gipper after his portrayal of Notre Dame football legend George Gipp in the 1940 Hollywood classic Newt Rockne All-American. But make no mistake, Reagan was an actual athlete and excelled on the football field where he played at Eureka College in the 1930s. And one summer, he worked as a lifeguard. Get this. He was credited with saving 77 lives that summer. Oh, man. Well, there's no guarantee that APR Coffee is going to transform you into an athlete or even save your life. But the Ronald Reagan blend with its powerful microlot blend of Colombian beans and a sweet and bold caramel flavor will certainly wake you up. (laughs) And there's so many flavors to choose from when it comes to the American Pride Roasters coffee collection. I, of course, I'm partial, as I told you, uh, the Calvin Coolidge blend, uh, the George Washington Carver blend with its uh, sweet kiss of peanut butter. Oh, yes. That flavor is wonderful. The brew named after this podcast, uh, the At The Mike Macadamia Nut Blend, which ironically is the favorite APR blend of my teenage son. I don't think that he knew it was named after me and this podcast or else he probably wouldn't have admitted that uh, to me one Saturday morning. Again, so many flavors to choose from. Head over to aprcoffee.com. Do try the Ronald Reagan A Time for Choosing Blend or any of the other memorable selections. And to check out, be sure to use promo code ATM. You're going to get yourself 10% off your entire purchase. That's aprcoffee.com. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. John Seidel, like so many, has had struggles in his life. The difference between John and so many of us is that he's willing to talk about them. He is candid and honest, and his story could really help somebody. And uh, perhaps even you. All right? So he and I recently sat down and talked about his life story here on At The Mic. I do hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. John Seidel, how are you, sir? Man, it is so good. This is like, it's been a weird blast from the past, walking into the studio, seeing you, seeing everyone. I've literally not laid eyes on you, well, that you're aware of, (laughs) for seven years, man. I, you know, I when I tried to get the restraining order, they said, we need to know who it is. <laughs> and I said, I don't know. I just feel like somebody's yeah. watching me. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, at least you have a soundtrack in your head whenever you uh, see me near. All right, it's creepy. Um, okay. So you were born in the great state of Wisconsin. Yes. Thank you for not saying Wisconsin. Do people do that? Yeah, a lot of people. especially Wisconsin? All the, especially a lot of the people that are moving here from California. They, they changed the I to an E. That's ridiculous. I know. I mean, there's a reason why, generally speaking, I don't care for the people that move from California to Texas. <laughs> but now I have a new reason to <laughs> dislike them, too. I mean, learn how to pronounce things, right? Right. right. Okay. So you're a proud Wisconsinite. Yes. Or should I say Wisconsinite? I still can't believe people do that. It just grades on yeah, you. Yeah. Um, but now... Hold on, you've got a Wisconsin tattoo. I do. I do see some tattoos from from my vantage point. Yeah, but where's I've, the Wisconsin one? Okay, you ready for this? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
Where are you, Why are you taking off all your clothes? No, I'm just kidding. No, where no is, you're oh, not. You're, oh, you're not no. kidding. Oh, oh no. Wah, 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 there you go. Wah. Luckily, we're not on video. Okay, so what you're not seeing is his entire right breast <laughs> is the badger steak. Yes. Yes, so I got that. And, and How many tattoos you got over there? Oh, goodness. Because I don't remember you being tatted up when you were here. Is this yeah, a new thing? Yeah, a lot of... So I had this one. What does that say? Veritas. Oh, nice. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say this because I haven't... Not many people remember this. Uh-oh. But do, do, you, do you notice what this is? Uh, Hank, can I, I'm going to... Hold on a second. I'll be right back, y'all. I'm going to go and get a closer look. Yes, yes, I know what that is. Hang on, I'll tell you what that is. <laughs> that is the original Blaze logo. That's right. Uh huh. So this, this, my, my. The dot of the eye on Veritas. Yes. Is the original Blaze logo that Glenn came up with. So. Or did somebody else come up with it? I don't know. Oh, okay. I thought maybe there was a backstory. The no. Burning Bush thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So back in the day, this is when we were all still living in New York. Mm-hmm. And. Oh, what a time that was. I know, right? And so, <laughs> Essie Cup had a show on The Blaze, uh-huh. and her producer, Nick. Yeah. Um, oh, what's Nick Gillespie doing these days? I don't days? know. I gotta Google while you yeah, talk. Right? I mean, I'm totally listening He's, to that's, you. That's but... a guest. That's another uh, possible guest. Yeah. And so, um, they sent out an email that said, hey, for a segment on Essie's show, we want to go to the New York City Tattoo Convention. Would anyone get a tattoo? And I said, yeah, I'll get a tattoo. And then to like make it fun... Um, so Veritas, which is actually the name of my company now, the Veritas Creative. I always forget that that Nick is uh, Reason. Yes, Reason Magazine. I always forget that. But anyway, um, so so what did you say? You um, your um, company, your company. Yeah. So the name of my company is the Veritas Creative. So Veritas has always been like truth, like that has uh-huh, always yeah. been a big thing. And so then to make it fun, it was like, hey, I'm doing this on the show. You know, I was the first writing hire ever at The Blaze. Wow, look at that trivia right so, there. So I was like, you know what? It's, I think that'd be kind of cool to incorporate some of that. And so that's... that's Good for you. So yeah. that was the first one. That was... No? My first one was this little cross here. Okay. Now, it, then it expanded. To a tree, like this massive tree that covers the entire upper half of your left arm. Right. And then I have the lion and, and uh-huh. flowers yeah. and... This is, is, maybe we'll get into this later. This is my, um, uh, for lack of a better term, it's my arm of death. Oh, yeah. uh, you could also say it's my memoriam arm. So these are the people in my life that have died. Oh, wow. So this is a tattoo. I have a tattoo to signify them. This is a rose for my daughter. Uh-huh. Then I have... Wait a minute. Hold on. Yes? You just said this is the arm of death. The inside is. Okay. The inside. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Good good clarification. To talk about there. And so my wife and I have kind of started this cool thing where whenever we go um, on vacation together, wherever we go, we get a tattoo together. So these two uh, tattoos were in Portland. This was like a while ago before it got real crazy. Mm -hmm. These were done in Portland. Then this rose and this musical note were done recently, just in the last like month and a half in Nashville. Oh, cool. And we're going to Israel in the fall of 23. Mm-hmm. And we are going to get tattoos at the world's oldest tattoo shop in Jerusalem. They've been tattooing since 1300. That's And they have like, insane. and, and, and I, they'll do like anything you want, but they kind of have these like, these are the tattoos we've been doing for literally like hundreds and hundreds of years. Dude. And so you kind of pick one of those. How cool is that? So you're not on Twitter though. 
I am on Twitter. I mean, you're on Twitter. I'm just not as active as I once was. Okay. Especially when I was in the news business. Right, right, right. Okay, so when when this uh, when this interview posts, yeah, and I tweet out a link and I tag you and all that stuff, you need to put pictures of these tattoos underneath. That's true. So so what what y'all need to do is uh, let's just say at Keith Malinak on Twitter. Good luck spelling it. And then and then there'll be a post. And then underneath that, John's gonna put. I'll put my tattoos under so, it. so that yeah. people can can yeah. pause the the podcast and go and take a look. Dude, I that's like it. Cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So I'm a tat a tattoo guy. I like it. It's just I like the art of it. I like the I actually like the permanence of it. Mm. I, I like. Um, this is gonna sound really weird, but the feeling is kind of cool. You know, like the it, pain. It hurts a little bit, but like like this one, uh, the rose on on the top of my arm, man. It just felt like I was kind of getting a massage. Huh. Okay. Do you have any tattoos, Keith? Um, are you going to... <laughs> no, I don't. I just wanted to see what you'd say. No, I don't have any. And uh, I just wondered, like, when you get older, are you concerned that, uh, you know, I guess they're not really in places that would be susceptible to, you know, Dro- age. Droopage. Droopage. <laughs> but age, um, you know what I mean? Like, it looks like you're going to be okay, right? Well, it's funny, the Wisconsin one on my chest... So I, I recently lost 70 pounds. Oh, yeah. Good for you, man. And so, but the funny thing was, is like Wisconsin has shrunk. Oh, you know, it's, oh it's, no. It's, it's, it, but in a good way. Like, in a good way. Like when I was at my <laughs> highest, you know, the borders, the borders were, we had, we had border creep <laughs> <laughs> on Wisconsin on my chest. So Border creep. So now, now we're, now we're back to original size. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, how many tattoos do you have total? Because, okay, let me back up. Let me back Four, up. Four or five. So, how, okay, do you have any tattoos beyond the arms and the chest that we've talked about? Nine. Got any on ten. your butt? No, my wife does. Okay, well, I didn't ask about your wife. <laughs> That's actually a funny thing. Oh, um, because we, uh, <laughs> her first tattoo she got in New York City, and it says, it's, <laughs> oh, no. she's a proud Texan. Oh, cool. Okay. Whereabouts from Texas? Houston. Okay. Um, she Not part is, of Texas. Tomball. It's not part of it. <laughs> so she um, <laughs> she got one, man. She's going to kill me when this comes out. I'm so sorry, oh, guys. No. I'm so sorry, babe. I love you. Um, oh, no. But she got one in, in New York City that says Made in Texas. Oh, that's awesome. No, no, no. That's that's really cool. Yeah. And I really respect that. Except. Uh-oh. Wait, what? No. Uh, depending on who she's telling the story, mm-hmm. it's either her lower back oh, no. or her upper butt cheek. <laughs> because oh, because like the mom, like if she's telling her mom, yeah, it's on my lower back. Yeah, if she's telling you or and, her and best it, friend, but it really is like this no man's land. <laughs> it really is like, like it's not just it's not just trying to be cute. Like it's kind of like, man, I can really see that both ways. I love that. I love that. My oldest daughter was born in Houston, and we were in a grocery store or something. And like the 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 dude who goes to the produce or whatever, like had left this roll of Made in Texas stickers. Oh, really? And she was maybe three months old at the time. So we have this picture because I took a sticker from the Stock Boys little stockpile there. I slapped it on our little baby blanket, you know, that you get from yeah. the hospital and stuff. And it says Made in Texas. And then I just, I, I mean, we didn't have Twitter back then, but we have this, this picture, this famous picture of Aslan. I put, did, did you put it on your MySpace? <laughs> yeah, oh, good call, right? This was 2003. Yeah, that would have been right in that wheelhouse. Okay, so 
You're proud of Wisconsin. I'm proud of it. Are you a Wisconsin Badgers uh, football fan? I am. Because I'm a Nebraska Cornhusker fan, Ooh. and I don't appreciate what y'all do to us. In the, in and well, and now the Big Ten, it's like, it's like the Big 72. It is. <laughs> it is insane. And what do you think about California schools coming in? Um, I'll tell you, it's... I, I don't... The thing that I like, and I think you probably like, and we added Nebraska recently because you guys were part of the Big 12, but yet you guys fit into the mold of what I feel like Big Ten football is. I mean, in theory, but have you seen us play yeah, in the right, last right, 10 right, years? Yeah, right, 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 right. Gross. But, I mean, it's, 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 it's more hard nose. It's, you know, offensive line. Uh-huh. It's running the ball well. And so, you know, now we add. <laughs> Again, in theory. But yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> we add schools like UCLA and USC. Yeah, weird, and it's like right? running gun offenses. Mm-hmm. It's the spread. It's the pro style. It's. And so I, I, I just fear, like, are we going to lose some of that hard, brand of hard yeah. nose that we've come to be known for? It's kind of already uh, gone that direction with some of the offenses in the league. Yeah, uh, even Ohio so, State, right, yeah, I think is right. right but right. but I'm with you as far as that, that aura. Well, you and, start to lose it. And there was a news story recently that said, like, oh, we're, we're actually thinking about adding more. Like, just, I mean, yeah. all right, let them all in. I mean, it's, it's college football... In particular, but the NCAA is about to have some massive upheaval that maybe before this podcast posts comes yeah. to be. Yeah. But I almost see two competing leagues that end up having a championship at some point. So you grew up in Wisconsin. Grew up in Wisconsin on the shores of Lake Michigan, about 30 minutes south of Green Bay. Oh, wow. So huge Packers fan. I'm actually, I, I Keith, I, I think you should feel very honored. You're talking to an owner of the Green Bay Packers. Nice. Nice! I've got a professional football team owner. I can tell you, and heavy is the head that wears the crown. Right, right. You know right. how was that Rogers thing you had to deal with there? You know we. I mean, you got him resigned at least. Yeah, we got him resigned. Uh-huh. You know, I I, I uh-huh. feel like we're in a good spot. We had we we had some conversations. So Devonte Adams. We did, but you know, when you go from one Hall of Famer to the next Hall of Famer, um, <laughs> uh, I've actually been kind of shocked at some of the stuff that he's been saying. Um, but I also get it. Like he, he said that one of the big factors is in his decision was, Hey, I, I don't know how long Aaron's going to be around. Mm, mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, he obviously doesn't want to be playing with Jordan love. Devonta, yeah, who done, right? <laughs> by the way, um, did you, as uh, owner of the green Bay Packers, did you ever send a thank you card to the Atlanta Falcons for giving you Brett Favre for nothing? I tell you what, don't, um, just don't tell me. Some of the audio that <laughs> what, what was your coach again? Uh, that, Jerry Glanville. Yeah, <laughs> some of the audio of Jerry Glanville talking to Brett Favre, like in his year there. Mm-hmm. Like right now, you know, remember that that kicker that like sued Urban Meyer for for mm-hmm. for like what he was saying, man. Like Brett Favre could have could have in, oh, in today's day and age, today's world, like yeah. he he would have he would have had Jerry Glanville fired in minutes. Yeah, well. <laughs> Brett Favre did not help his case in Atlanta, um, but uh, you know when you when you don't show up to the team picture because you're drunk, hungover from the night. <laughs> anyway, you had two brothers and two sisters growing up. One of your sisters was killed. Um, yeah, explain the impact that that had on your life, man. You know, it was it it was really. Um, well, let me back up and say my sister led, led, she led a very troubled life, right? Like when we, when I hear news stories of the drug crisis and fentanyl and kind of all that stuff, like yeah. my sister was like, she was one of those, those people, right? Yeah. I mean, she, 
Um, from, I mean, the age of 13, she was, she was experimenting with drugs. And so um, she just led a really hard life. But that, that meant that my actually, my time growing up was really chaotic. So, you know, there was just so, always fighting. So hold on a second. Where is she in relation to your age? She's, she's uh, only about a year and a half older than I am. Okay. So, um, so we're, you know, in age really close. Right. And, um, so, but like her troubles, I mean, she was in and out of like, you know, youth, um, behavioral facilities. Sure. She was in and out of jail. She spent time in, in state prison. So, so our relationship was always kind of weird, mm. right? Not weird in like, uh, not weird and bad, but it's, but it's like, you know, we didn't get extremely close, but yet I knew a lot about her and we had a lot of conversations about her getting clean and kind of all that stuff. And, but ironically, like her death wasn't related to drugs is oh. she was, she was, um, in a van. She had picked up a new part, a new transmission for her car and some, um, older retired mechanic was helping her out. And some guy, crossed the center line on the interstate and and crashed into them head on at 70 miles an hour. Um, but what has been like, as I have grown, as I have, you know, cause one of my, my big things, and I know we'll talk about this is, is mental health mm -hmm. and having written a book on it. I mean, there is, I just finished a workbook for my book and, and I dedicated it to my sister. And I think one of the things, one of the things I said in the dedication was, listen, I, I didn't fully understand you while you were alive, you know, and, and now I understand you so much better. And I think I have really grown in just how I view people who struggle with addiction. It's less black and white than, than what I, um, originally thought growing up, you know, mm -hmm. in, in growing up, I'm just like, you know, her name was Jenny. I'm just like, Jenny, just stop, you know, like. And it's just not that easy, yeah. you know? And so people listening who have struggled with addiction, people listening who know people who struggle with addiction, I think I have become so much more in tune mm -hmm. with what that means and looks like and what it takes to, to, to come out of that. How old was she when she died? 31. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she was young, left behind three kids. Oh. Um, so not to be such a downer, but, but it, it actually has really shaped um, me over the last uh, the last three years, it's it's reshaped our family. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Oh, how old were the kids roughly then when she was? So the oldest had just gotten like her driver's license. Uh, the second one um, was in like junior high, oh, and then God. the young one was three. Oh man. So my other sister though has taken my um, my youngest niece, and that's been a really cool, beautiful picture. You know, mm -hmm. to see just. Uh, you know, a family member step in and just what that has done to stabilize because even though she was three, I mean, her life was really unstable living with my, with my sister who died. Right. Yeah. And, and in fact there was, and I say this as an encouragement to anyone listening, like we had to make a really hard decision right before my sister died, like weeks before my sister died, we found out that she was leaving my three-year-old niece at home to go on like drug runs. Oh. And so we stepped in, we got the police, we got social services involved and like had her taken, the young one taken away. And, um, and you know, as a person of faith, like I can see how, how things happen for a reason. And what I can tell you is 
when my sister got in the car accident, there was a there was a car seat in the back. And in fact, when the police first got on the scene, they they you know, they kind of knew my sister, right? Like mm. they they and they knew that my niece was always with her. And um they searched the ditches for like an hour cuz they're like like she always has her child with her. Yeah. And um, by the grace of God, like that, we had just gotten her taken away. And so my little niece, I mean, I, I can show you pictures of the of the van that she was driving in. I mean, it was it, it's unrecognizable as a vehicle. And so um, my my niece would have been would have been sure. killed instantly. Did we ever find out like why this guy crossed the line or? Yeah, they. Um, it's interesting because. He made he stopped at a uh, he stopped at a um, like hardware store right before, and he made an interesting purchase. He made a purchase of a uh, a can of um, cleaner that you like the compressed air cleaner. And so while they they've never made an official determination, there has been speculation mm-hmm. that he may have used that to. Um, get high yeah and because there was no there was he was pulling a trailer too and so there was no um there's no skid marks like nothing it was just like off the road in the median in the interstate in wisconsin uh, where that you know it's kind of rural right so like here you've got the medians and the concrete pillars Mm -hmm. right there it was it's just like a culvert in the middle and so just you know and the old man that was helping her he died as well. So th- all three, all three people that were oh. involved in the crash died. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned your 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 book, your I guess I, I, your passion project. Yeah. Really. Um, give us the title of that book. It's called Finding Rest. Okay. Tell us about that, and then I want to also take this moment to tell people that. As this podcast posts, it won't be too long before the workbook that goes along yeah. with what you're discussing is available. It might be available right now for pre-order. I know. I should. So, I should check that. Right. 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 So, like, I'm a. Uh-huh. I need to be a good person. Yeah, you need to be a salesman. <laughs> um, so, finding rest. Yeah. And that's going to be the name of the workbook as well. That, okay. That is. It's going to be um, just a different subtitle. Okay. Um, so the book is called Finding Rest. The, the long title is Finding Rest, A Survivor's Guide to Navigating the Valleys of Anxiety, Faith, and Life. Okay. And so, so it, it's actually interesting, Keith, because when we were working together um, all those years ago, for, for most of that time, I had undiagnosed anxiety and OCD. Mm. And you never know what someone else is going through. You right. just never know. And, and, and what's interesting is on one hand, you know, that made me a very productive person, right? We were kind of talking like I was the first writing hire of the blaze. Like I worked my way up to managing editor and and very driven, right? Uh-huh. Always, you know, I, I don't just meet deadlines. I exceed deadlines. I don't just, you know, I, I, I never do things, you know, half-ass. Man, right? I'm the same way. I mean, it is all or nothing, right? Right. And so what's the point? There's, what's the, yeah. right? What is the point of getting involved in something if you're not going to yeah. completely give everything, but yet there are consequences. Right. And so what I realized um so that was the that was the good side of anxiety. And so I actually talk about that in the book. Anxiety is not all bad, right? It's it's right. really self-preservation. It's it's fight or flight. Like I went to Alaska a few years ago and dropped in the middle of nowhere and like I had to use an outhouse. And guess what? 
I brought a shotgun with me when I went to the outhouse. Why? Because I had anxiety that I was going to get eaten by a bear. Oh, that's... I mean, you know what like I mean? Like, kind of, I call that proper planning. Right. right. <laughs> but, but really, that's, 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 that's the best case form of anxiety, right? Uh-huh. But for me, it got really bad. And so, so part of um, my story is, is, you know, getting to the end of even my time at The Blaze. And I had just gotten diagnosed pretty soon mm. bef- um, before I left. And... It, it was um, it was such a freeing moment, you know, and, and I, I imagine it's kind of like and I've never had I've never had cancer, but I imagine it's someone who's, you know, maybe they've just had uncontrollable stomach pain for, right. for years. Right. And they find out, hey, you have a tumor in your stomach. On one hand, you're like, dang, I have a tumor in my stomach. Right. But on the other hand, you're like, I know what to fight back against. Right. Now we can get a treatment plan. Uh-huh. Now we know, you know, going forward. And so that's what my diagnosis was for me what was it for you that pushed you to the point where you sought help like was there an experience this is a a great story Uh this is a great story okay um so you can't see right now but i'm holding a cup of 7-eleven coffee i mean while it is good stuff it's it's what i have only in a pinch because uh apr coffee uh, apr coffee.com the sponsor of this program um, that's the greatest coffee ever. I'd like to point out. Absolutely, I only have the Seven Eleven when I'm like, oh crap, I'm on the road here. Right, you know? right, right. Exactly. That's great point. Great point. Ching! <laughs> I don't just <laughs> no. And that, the Calvin Coolidge blend, I would like to point out, is, Ooh, a, is a wonderful blend. One of our nation's most underrated presidents. Oh, without question, without question. In fact, I think I took it home already. Yeah, a listener did a 3D printing of the Calvin Coolidge bust for me. As I am such a big fan, and we, we got George here, and I, and I took that home. Yeah, yeah, they sent George Washington to Pat. Okay, which you see there. Yeah, uh huh. He's hanging out there next yeah. to you. So, 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 how does a cup of coffee work into your story? Okay, so um, when we moved from New York City, um, when the the Blaze moved, me and you and a lot of people here, mm-hmm. and um, after a couple years, we were living in downtown Dallas. And um, there was a morning where my wife and I decided, hey, let's, let's, it was like a Saturday morning. And there's kind of this cool coffee shop and these swanky lofts that we lived in. Did you have any kids at this time? No, no kids. Exactly. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that's how it goes. Absolutely. Your your Saturday mornings, um, your memories are at a coffee shop getting bagels, uh, uh, in my case. At one one in the afternoon. Yeah. Still the morning. Yeah. (laughs) As opposed to, uh, your, your Saturday mornings soon become, uh, uh, spent at softball and baseball fields, but continue. Yeah. At like six in the morning because, (laughs) because it's so hot. So hot. It's like the schedule comes out and you're like, do I have an 8 a.m. game or a 1 p.m. game? Right. Why another 1 p.m. game oh for you guys? Goodness. This is ridiculous. It's 100 degrees. Anyway, continue. who's got the cooler? Right. Um, <laughs> so we decided to get coffee. Uh huh. And you know, part of my OCD is being particular about things. Now, and I, I'll explain a little bit more. It's not like I'm not like uh, Howie Mandel, where I have to wash my hands or you know I check the door 75 times. Uh-huh. But it manifests in other ways, and one sure. of the ways it manifests is I hate Splenda. No, oh, me too. I hate Splenda with a passion. I think it taste makes things taste like dirty sock water. Okay, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. So my wife is sitting there at the coffee shop, and I say, "Hey, I'm gonna go to the bathroom." You get our coffee, and then we'll kind of start our walk downtown. Okay. And I said, remember, no Splenda. No Splenda. Great, got it. I come back from the bathroom. She hands me 
my coffee, I take a drink and it's like, I mean, classic spit take, you know, like I'm like, what is in this? You know, now this is where our stories diverge a little bit, which means you should probably believe her story, but I'll tell you my version. Okay. My version is I got upset and kind of stormed out and was like, I can't believe you put Splenda in this. I told you not to. She says I made quite a scene and was <laughs> raising my voice, which is very possible. Oh, um, no. And so it was that moment. So like for the rest of the weekend, like I couldn't get over the fact that she put the wrong sweetener in my coffee. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's like a day later and she's just like crying and broken down and saying like, John, this isn't normal. Mm-hmm. And so it was that moment that I realized, yeah, you know, I think you're right. And then you start thinking about other things. And so, for example, like if I would send an email, um, I would go back and reread that email 50 times. I would just have to, I would have to reread it. And if you can imagine the amount of time I lost with my wife, you know, think about after a long day, you know, you send an email to someone and I'm going home and rereading it 50 times. I mean, so I, I started real looking back and being like, okay, things are not normal and not right and so i went to um i scheduled an appointment with a psychiatrist but it was like two weeks until i could get in how long had all this anxiety and ocd stuff been going on your whole life or did it just come to a head at that time or had it just been a recent development so i think in looking back um i can trace my first episode back to when i was i think 12 so i have how old are you right now i am 35 and when did this how old were you when this started happening this coffee thing this was in 2014. Okay, so take off eight. What are we at? 27? Yeah. So you had about 15 years of not being diagnosed, roughly. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so um, my OCD manifests in what's called um, intrusive thought OCD. And so really it's just like you start thinking about something you can't get out of your, you can't get it out of your head. Mm. Um, so I, I scheduled an appointment with a psychiatrist and I had to wait two weeks, which I I tell people like, if you want to figure out if you have uh, an anxiety disorder, just have to wait two weeks before you have to see, before you see a psychiatrist about your anxiety disorder and you start realizing, oh, I really ache. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I get in there, the guy looks like Doc Brown, like the psychiatrist, (laughs) you know, which, which oddly gave me comfort. Uh I'm like, I kind of want my psychiatrist to look like Doc Brown a little bit. Yeah. I like that. That's cool. Like maybe like a coffee stain, Uh like yellow pits in his, in his, in did, his did t-shirt he, did he call you marty and he did not call okay. me marty all right and uh <laughs> and so i mean not too long after he's like hey listen you you have what's called gad generalized anxiety disorder with ocd and it's kind of one of those um if you think of one of those circle diagrams it's like everyone who has ocd has anxiety not everyone who has anxiety has ocd okay um I, I, I hit the bullseye. I got both. Yay. Um, a party. Yeah. So, so that, that's kind of my story. And, and, and that diagnosis really changed my, um, changed my life. Um, was able to really kind of finally fight back. And so my book is really an examination of what it looks like to live with this, how to fight back, especially as, as a person of faith. I think the Christian community hasn't dealt with mental health disorders really well. Mm -hmm. You know, they kind of chalk it up to a lack of prayer, or lack of faith, and that's just like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, it's, right. Like, like, you know, I mean, you're 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 not you're not you're not a good enough Christian, right? Right. right. Um, which is so stupid, mm-hmm. and um, and so this book is kind of a an affront against that, and so it did really really well, and so now I have a workbook coming out for people to kind of go d- deeper. So uh, the workbook is called Finding Rest and Invitation to Go Deeper, and so there's the plug. 
Um, <laughs> it's 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 been cool, and it's been cool to see the people that have rallied around it. I mean, you know, one of those people, Brad Thor, who I know you guys know well. Yeah, previous guest on this show. Yeah, yeah. and who I met um, during my time at the Blaze. I mean, to see, I mean, Brad's posted about the book several times. Cool. And um, because you, you know, as a result of COVID, so many more people have been finding themselves with an anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. right? And, and and people have asked me that and I'll then we can move on. But it, it, I, I liken that to um, about what I had with shingles. So recent, not recently, actually, um, 2015, 16-ish, I was getting ready for a motorcycle trip. And I realized that in order to go on a really long motorcycle trip, you have to practice. Like you have to get your butt used to sitting in the seat for so oh, long. Oh, no. Yeah, so I'm I'm sitting like and and again because it's Texas in the heat, like my brother in law would have to get up at like, you know, five in the morning and do like three hours worth of riding. And so like one day I come back from a Saturday ride and I've got this like rash and it's really bothering me to the point where like I'm like stripping off all my clothes because I can't have anything touch it. And long story short, I see a buddy later that day, he's like, Let me see that. And I'm like, okay. He looks at it. He's like, you have shingles. I'm like, I, you know, at this time, what am I, 20 something? I'm like, I don't have shingles. That's for old people, right? Yeah. And sure enough, like I went in and I have shingles. And what I had found, and maybe people know this, maybe they don't. Shingles, if you've ever had the chicken pox virus, you have shingles. Oh. The Shingles is um, a reemergence of the chicken pox virus from your spine. Huh. So, and what happens is the reason it does happen in old people is because your immune system starts breaking down. So it kind of breaks free Uh or if you have really stressful events. So I talked about having anxiety Uh and, um, basically kind of an anxiety period in my, in my life allowed that shingles to, to break through. Wait a minute. I'm constantly stressed. I did have chicken pox as a kid. How have I avoided the shingles, John? I don't know. I, I need, <laughs> do I need to like drink your blood or something? Wait a minute. I don't get that. No. Get your antibodies. So, uh-huh. so, um, and that's that's really what I think COVID has been, right? Um, everyone has some sort of anxiety, uh-huh. right? And yet, um, whether it's the isolation, whether it's the fear of the COVID, whether it's yeah, any number of things, yeah. And so, COVID has kind of been that impetus that event that allows it to break through into more of a clinical expression so Mm. um so that's been my experience and and i can just tell you that like the reaction that i've gotten from people who have read the book and found it helpful Mm -hmm. you know not just saying this but it's just been like mind-blowing that's great man and and the response you know i was just on with went down to nashville and was on mike huckabee's show to talk about it and so just being able to talk about this to a wider audience yeah. has been awesome finding rest an invitation to grow deeper look for the book and the very soon to arrive workbook that goes along with that now if you were born and raised in wisconsin how did you end up getting to king's college in new york city I'm realizing how many crazy stories I have. Um, <laughs> That's the point of this show. I know, bro. it really is. Jeez, Keith, it's like you're a really great interviewer yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think this was, you know, so I graduated high school in 2005. Okay. And so this was, you know, not the Wild West days of the internet, but it was like uh, where you, you didn't quite understand that if you put your information somewhere, it would get broadcast everywhere else. 
you know? So there was this, um, mm. there was this site where like you could put in what you were interested in going to college for and they build it as like, we will let those colleges, like we'll let them know and, and they'll reach out to you. And I'm like, this sounds awesome. Right. Well, I fill that out and I just get like hundreds and hundreds of, of, you know, college pamphlets delivered to my house. And then I got this one and it was addressed to, so my name is John Seidel, right? Mm-hmm. It was addressed to Jonathan Mick Seidel. Uh, so I was Irish, apparently. Wait, do you get offended when people pronounce it Seidel? Like, I think I did probably. I, I no. Usually go? It's a, t- a term of endearment from you, Keith. Oh. <laughs> okay, so John Seidel. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, and so it was Jonathan Mick Seidel. And the address was wrong. And yet I still got this pamphlet and it was for this really like up and coming college in New York City. And I I had thought I was always going to go into politics. Oh. I was going to be the next pre- press secretary of the United States. Like that was my goal. Would you still like that job if, you, if someone offered You could you? not pay me yeah. a billion dollars. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, but a billion. Yeah, a billion. I would do it for a billion. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can fake it for a little while. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, sock exactly. some of that away and then <laughs> call it a career. Right. Okay, so... You always thought you were going to be in politics, right? And but so, you get this thing in the mail. Well, this well, this school actually um, specialized has a specialized degree called politics, philosophy, and economics. And so I was like, "This is awesome! This is perfect!" So I, I go and visit, and I'm like, "Perfect!" And I get to the school, and I start my journey to become the press secretary of the United States. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> what I realized was. Uh, it's a it's a, a a liberal arts school, King's College. So they really um, put a lot of emphasis on writing. Okay. And so I started doing my writing classes, and I kind of found that I was good at it. Okay. Right? And professors started affirming, like, "Hey, we really think you have an ability here. You might want to explore this." And so um, I started exploring that, and like within a couple of years, I'm like, I, I don't want to be press secretary. I want to be a writer, mm-hmm. right? I want to be a, a journalist. And so, did you want to write? Political speeches, do you think? Or no, we're getting away from politics completely at this point. Um, I would say that that, was, that would have been as political as I would have wanted to go at uh-huh. the time. Okay. Um, but I, I, I just, I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to, to talk about the way that the world worked and helped help people understand that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I got internships at, a, at magazines in college. I was my my the summer between my junior and senior year i had a magazine sending me out won an award that year and so i was like okay like this is what i'm going to do and in fact actually this is just coming to me that summer where i decided to take the internship at the magazine Uh i had two possibilities in life you ready for this okay i could either take the internship and travel around the country and write stories or i could work on a dude ranch in colorado with no cell phone signal and I highly considered that. I had a horse growing up and I always like wanted to be a cowboy. Well, that's a tough call. So I applied. That's tough. Dude. Yeah, and this was like before Yellowstone, okay? I liked Yellowstone before it was cool to like Yellowstone because I was literally, you know, a day away from making a decision to be a cowboy on a ranch in Colorado. Flip a coin, what'd you do? <laughs> Funny thing, the owner of the ranch called me Uh-oh. and it was kind of like the final thing. And he's like, um, hey, we like they had offered me the job. He's like, we'd love to have you. He goes, I just have one question. Do you have a serious girlfriend? And I said, yeah, I do. And so um, 
he said, like, how serious? And I'm like, well, I'm actually thinking about, like, asking her to marry me this summer. And he said, don't take this job. And I said, what? So this is one of the only places. And it's what's crazy is it's still the case. Like, there's, like, no cell phone signal out there. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like in the valley. In, it's called Lost Valley Ranch. They're great people. Um, and out in Colorado. And he's like, you will not be able to talk to your girlfriend, hopefully fiance, for, like, you know, four months. And he's like, I just don't recommend that. Like, if you're serious about this girl, like you need to pursue her. Like you need to, you know, be there and ask her to marry you. And he's like, so don't take this job. And I'm like, okay, I won't take the job. Made the decision for Took the writing job. And like, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. Very cool. All right. And that's, uh, Lost Valley Ranch. Lost Valley Ranch in Colorado. It's a really cool place. Really cool place. It's like a, you, you take your family there and you kind of basically become, yeah, it's a, it's like a working vacation, mm-hmm. and um, they have activities and shows. And, no cell signal. And no cell signal. What's the elevation? I don't know. How far away is the nearest town of consequence? It, uh, far. All right. I'm going to be... I was about to say I was going to call you from Lost Valley Ranch, but no. I'm not gonna be, <laughs> not gonna, You're going to send not, me a smoke signal. not going to be able to call you. <laughs> okay, so I want to know, at what point in your life... Did you pass an FBI background check? What's that all about? Not just not an FBI background check. Yeah. I passed the FBI entrance exam. Wow. What's that all about, man? So I had always like, besides wanting to be press secretary, mm-hmm. I kind of had this deep desire to like, I have a very strong justice engine. Um, like growing up, let me put it this way. I watched Silence of the Lambs way too young. But instead of messing me up, you and me both. Yeah, it, 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 I'm like, I want to be Clarice. You know? Oh no! Um, <laughs> and so I had always kind of had this desire. And so here's the secret. You want to hear this? Okay. I was actually working at the Blaze, and I decided like I had found out um, some of the like the process to get into the FBI. Mm. And in fact, my journalism and writing background made me um, attractive to them just because, you, you know, you're used to digging for facts. You're, you you obviously have a high, um, put a high regard, put truth, hold truth in high regard. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of filled something out through their website and kind of made it past the first thing. And they invited me to take the entrance exam. And so I went to this like, can I just say it was like this, it was like this warehouse district and I like show up and it's like, like have you seen the show Severance? Mm-mm. Okay, no. if anyone's seen the show Severance, this is like very sterile environment. There's like computer, um, like like uh, cubicles, and and you take this enter- entrance entrance exam and it's it's like a lot of logic and you know what would you do in this and um and so I take it and I pass, and I'm like holy crap like this may become a reality you know. Wow. And so the next step was I had to pass the physical fitness test. And so you may remember this, Keith, or not, but like when I, around this time, I had lost about 50 pounds. Mm -hmm. And it was because I was getting in shape for this physical fitness test. Oh, wow. And, but, oh gosh, man, you're bringing out all the good stories. (laughs) That's what we do here. Uh, For our anniversary is in May. So I'm training to pass the FBI physical fitness test and my wife and I go up to the casino just north of the border here. Mm-hmm. I'm very familiar. 
and I just for our anniversary trip. And shout, I, shout out to the world's biggest casino. <laughs> I get the bright idea that like there's a mechanical bull, and I'm like, I'm going to tame this mechanical bull. Oh no! And so I hop on. Oh no! And I obviously don't last really long, and I get thrown off, and I kind of was like, oh, that that hurt a little bit, you know. Long story short, like you fast forward like seven, eight months, my shoulder had been degenerating ever since then. Yeah, been there. And so I could not, um, long, like I, I couldn't do the physical fitness aspect of the FBI test. Oh no, man. Found out that I had torn my labrum and my rotator cuff <laughs> and had to have surgery. Yeah. I think we could, I remember that. I think I thought, I'm kind of having flashbacks yeah, now. Are you asking me questions or something yeah. and me saying, yeah, it sucks. Uh, I remember, I, cause this room that we're in now. That is Pat Gray Studio at the Blaze TV Radio Network. But it used to be like over here. It used to be. Um, I would sit there where Pat sits now. Yeah. Natasha would sit here where the TVs are. Yes. And if you'll recall, were you here when uh, Mike Sacco would sit in this corner yes. and, and screen calls? And I remember a calendar used to hang in front of this window that now leads into the control room where Corby sits and all that good stuff. And I remember one day walking in here thinking, wow, I haven't needed a pain pill today. And I looked at, I just happened to be looking at the calendar and it was three months to the day from my surgery. And my doctor said, you will be in pain for three months following this surgery. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, oh, neat. Okay. And I just remember looking up that day going, I haven't needed a pain pill. Oh my gosh. It was three months to the day. Yeah. It is a massive, massive undertaking. For me, it was aggravating in so many ways. One of them was that not related to the internals, but it was the tape they used, like the mm-hmm. irritant. I was always itching. But my point is, that was my left arm. I'm right-handed. I cannot imagine what I went through with my dominant arm. Was it your dominant? It was my dominant. Oh my gosh, bro. Yep. And that and so that is what kept you out of the physical exam. Yep. For the FBI. And it's crazy because like I I will still from time to time like if I pick up groceries, I can still feel that that arm is trying to compensate, like. Oh, it man, is, that's not good. It's crazy. That's not good. My left arm now is in much better shape than my right arm. Oh, really? The surgery was excellent. I mean, excellent. The recovery was not fun. And um, I, I, I need it. I need the same thing probably in my right arm. I've what, been was told. The, what, what was yours? Like why Mine was it... a, uh, a, a cheap shot in a church softball league. I never slide head first. I slid in head first into third oh. base. And when you're a 300-pound third baseman for the Methodist Church <laughs> in Somerville, South Carolina, you apparently hold grudges since I was uh, <laughs> stretching a couple of throwing errors into goading them into throwing the ball around, and I ended up getting from home to third in one. It's a long story. But anyway, and I paid the price, and he just WWE'd right on my shoulder while I was stretched out at the end of the play and uh, just severed everything. I mean, it was like you said, the rotator cuff, it was the labrum, it was, uh, and eventually, it was arthritis, it was a cyst, it was all Mm. sorts of stuff. There was a bicep tear. Um, It was insanity. But the surgery, I will say, was incredibly successful. Yeah. Not the case with you, huh? Well, no, like I said, it's just every once in a while. Like if if I were to hold up two gallons of milk, like a, a gallon of milk in each hand, it's mm-hmm. just a little. You can feel that, yeah. yeah. You know, I not pain, see, yeah. but just like but a see, little weaker. So my right arm is just degenerated from just throwing, pitching, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, baseball, just 
whizzing it here for however many years of baseball and softball, you know? The left arm was obviously the, the trauma of that instance. Yours was a trauma from the bull thing mm-hmm. that you just kind of land. I, I, I swear, man, when I hear of a torn labrum in a football player or something, I go, oh, yeah. that's all. Or I see how people yeah. land in sports and I think, oh, gosh, that has flashbacks. So do you, that moment, did you feel the lightning bolt going through? <sighs> yes and no. Like, I remember being like, oh, that's going to be sore tomorrow. Uh-huh. But it, it, in a way, it kind of just like got progressively worse. And actually, I was playing a lot of softball. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized I had a major problem because, you know, months and months later, yeah. I, I got to the point I remember showing up to the ball field and I played second base. So I don't have a lot of long long throws, right? Mm-hmm. And I was taking just grounder practice and I went to throw to first base and I couldn't get the ball to first base from the second baseman's no, man. position. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is this is awful, yeah. right? Like something's wrong. And you know how it is. Like, I don't know if they did this with you, but I went to the doctor like, okay, we got to start with physical therapy. Yeah, you got to, you got to, let's see if exercise strengthen around And I'm like, muscles. guys, I'm telling you That's something's That's exactly wrong. what I did, yeah. And in fact, they, they didn't find any of the tears oh. right away. Um, they did an MRI and they're like, oh, you're good. And I'm like, no, I'm not good. Mm-hmm. I can't, like, it got to the point where I couldn't lift my arm. I was having trouble taking a shower. Yeah. So they finally did the MRI with contrast. Yeah, that's, when the, that's what they did And that's me. when they found yeah. the labrum tear. And then when they went in to fix the labrum, they're like, oh, uh-huh. we All also found the rotator cuff. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> and then the list goes on, right? Yeah, for me, I couldn't, when I would carry groceries, I'd have to hold my arm straight down. Yep. But what really pushed me over the edge was my regimen at night was, you know, a handful of Advil and whiskey, and I couldn't pick up my kids. Mm. And I was like, that's not, that's not living. Yeah. So anyway, I'm glad you got some relief. At so least. we are so alike. We're alike in so many ways. Getting old sucks. Am I right? <laughs> okay. I feel it every day. Uh, so yeah. Amen. By All the right. way, there is a store we have to make sure we get to. It's near the end. I just want to make sure. Near you know. the end? We can't do it now? You'd rather hold on to No, the no, end? we Come can here. do it I'll now. Make a note. Give me a, no, give me I'm a... saying it's near the end of my questions. Oh, 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 oh. yeah. Uh, John uh, Seidel sends me these answers last night. Didn't have time to go through yeah. them before the uh, conversation to take some notes and uh, ask follow-ups. So we'll just uh, go through these It's together. the story that I pooped my pants at a wedding. Well, now you've already... We'll get there. Okay. See, we got to keep it like yeah. Keith. I don't know if you know radio, stick but around. You got to, you yeah. got to, you got to stick tease. around, y'all. We're gonna talk about poop. <laughs> that'll that'll hold the audience, John. Okay. When I ask you to explain your job, you call yourself a storyteller, yep. which makes total sense. Yep. Um, the unique thing about your book is that you're telling your own story. Yep. As opposed to what you typically do, which is tell other people's stories. Yep. Companies' stories. Um. Tell us about your day-to-day when you're not writing your own book. Yeah. Being an author, a digital media consultant, what is it that you, like when you wake, take us through a typical John day? Oh, great question. So um, I so I call myself, like I, I have a business, uh, a company now that does digital media consulting and people are like, what is that? Yeah, what's the name of it? Do you want to The Veritas Creative. The Veritas Creative. You there already you said that, my bad. No, that's okay. Um, and... People are like, so what does that exactly mean? And I and I say, well, it's whatever the client needs, right? Oh, so yeah, that's good. For some clients, I you know I'm I'm helping develop an app right now for a client, and I'm in charge of you know all the content that's going into the app, right? So I'm 
leading a team um, and helping them write content. Okay. Um, another client, like they um, they need you know regular blog posts written, so oh. I write those. I, uh, and you're like a ghostwriter. Well, that one's under my name, but then I also do ghostwriting, uh-huh. right? So I have a book uh, that I'm working on with a a, a, a client now, um, and. Uh, I'm ghostwriting it for them. And it's just a variety of like having been in the digital media space. I've, you know, I've created courses for Kirk Cameron and done video content with him. That's one of the things I did after the blaze. I mm. worked at a nonprofit called I am second, which, oh. you know, films, you know, celebrities and stars and their stories. And so like I worked with them on the chip and Joanna Gaines video. And so oh, there's cool. just a, a variety of things that I, I do in my life, whether it's from, um, helping people create Facebook ads to, you know, ghostwriting books. And so anything that's been in the digital media space, um, which is so much now, um, is is what I do. I've, I've also uh, uh, direct, right? I have a client who needed a director to uh, come in and um, direct videos of people telling their stories. So instead of writing them out, I directed um, behind the camera. So it's just a, it's a variety of things. So uh, in my typical day, I'm up, I bring the kids to school. So I bring my son and my daughter. Right now it's daycare. Um, <laughs> it will be school um, by the time this airs. Uh-huh. And uh, so that means I'm going to have to get up even earlier. Oh, no. Uh, um, then I kind of do some some personal like uh, reflection time, and then I get into it. I get whether that's for the day, if that's writing a blog post, whether that's coming and doing a, uh, an interview. Yeah, so, I mean, you, in you're in front of a computer all the time. All the time. Okay. All the time. Uh-huh. And, uh, man, so, but you get to work from home then. I do. Nice. I do. And actually, like, I tricked out my office recently. Cool. Like, I have, like, the curved monitor. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a neon behind me with my, uh, with my work logo. Okay. And, uh, because of what, you know, in the era of COVID, you do so many Zoom meetings now. Yeah. And so I, I told my wife, she's like, do you really need all that? I'm like, listen, uh, like this is what people see of me mostly. You uh-huh. know? And I can't tell you how many compliments, but I will say my wife is an interior designer. She has her own interior design business. Okay. And so I'm always quick to give her the credit because I had to run everything by her. Of course. Right. I took a picture of you here for the thumbnail for this podcast. But if you want to take a selfie or have somebody take a picture of you in front of your company logo. You sent it to me, and we'll use it as a thumbnail here for this uh, episode. Ooh, I'll be I thinking like about that. You've been thinking about that. So you mentioned your two children. Yeah, Annie and Jack. They are seven and four. Seven and four. That's an exciting time, man. Ah, uh, isn't I, it great? We're finally getting out of it with the four-year-old. Like, like he's coming out of toddler stage, right? So you can actually have some mostly reasonable conversations. You're getting there. You know, there's still some things like he was upset and mad um this morning about something and it was because i ordered him uh, a airplane kit we're gonna make together okay and yesterday i told him it's coming today and he was so mad because he went to the front porch this morning and he just could not get the concept of like oh no amazon packages don't come until you know near the end of the day yeah daddy you told me it was coming today and it's not here Yeah, here's the thing jack <laughs> uh daddy didn't pay for 
uh, expedited shipping. <laughs> I paid the three dollars to get, get out there by eight a.m. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that four to eight a.m. window. Sorry, Jack. Dad let you down. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe when you get home today, you'll have it there. Let me take can, that out of your college fund, <laughs> sir. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's cool, man. Well, I mean, that's just an exciting age that you, uh, yeah. your kids are. But that's, I'm a I'm a girl dad, man. I, uh-huh. I my daughter are she just I love having a daughter, and um, yep. now it scares me to death in the era that we're growing up in, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Clean those guns, man. Clean it's them. just like, ah, oh. uh, we were watching, oh, man, I, now I'm going to get on a soapbox. We were watching, Uh-oh. we were watching like a Jurassic world cartoon the other day. Okay. Let me guess. There was some sort of propaganda or something that was against your parenting style. That yes. Came yeah. It always happened. I mean, every, it's, it's literally ra- everything. It's rated like TVY seven. Mm-hmm. It's a new season. It's called camp Cretaceous Jurassic world. Right. I'm like, Okay. It's about dinosaurs. Yeah, cartoon. What, what what was it on? What streaming was it? Disney? Or Netflix. Something? Netflix. Netflix. Okay. And all of a sudden, so I'm kind of like working on something on the couch. My daughter's watching it, and all I all of a sudden I look up, and there's like a lesbian relationship, and like with dinosaur cartoon characters. No, like there's oh. humans in it. Oh, okay. Well, then that's okay. That's ridiculous in of itself. But I'm just like having the humans in with the dinosaurs. Uh, <laughs> is not historically accurate. Well, I mean, as we've known from six Jurassic Park movies, oh, right? This always ends. Oh, yeah. it always oh. ends poorly. Oh, 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 I forgot. I forgot this was connected to the franchise. <laughs> yes. So this is modern times. Yes. I got you now. Yes. I got you. I got, yes. you. I got you. Sorry. Sorry. And I'm just like, you know, I'll suddenly just precipitate some questions, mm-hmm. and, and I'm just like. I just want a cartoon that I can put on while I'm, you, you, you right. know, half paying attention and not have to look up and be like, I mean, and first of all, like, even if it, can we just like not have any romantic relationships in a, in a, in, Thank you. in a, seven year, in a seven year, in a TV show for seven year olds. Right. Unreal. Uh, right. And then to like do that. And so it just kind of scares me the, the era we're living in, just like kids are being exposed to things way younger. Right. Well, this podcast posting during football season, and and I will say this: I want my kids to watch Falcons games with me, and I, they do a little bit, okay. But it's not the end of the world that they don't, and the reason it's not the end of the world that they don't is because of all the commercials that come up during it. Mm. You can't walk away, you know, when they when they go in between the quarters to go and you know take a leak and come back because you have no idea what your kid has seen in the last two minutes. Yeah. It's so, and there's all sorts of objectionable things that you, if unless you're sitting there glued to the TV while they're present, I can't tell you how many times they turn around, look away, where's the remote, you know? Mm-hmm. So what I do, and this is pathetic, well, actually, it would be considered child abuse if I forced my kids to watch the Falcons game, <laughs> but I still want them to enjoy the things that I enjoy, and so football is one of them. Even that is trying to be ruined by the woke mob, um, and they've been successful in some areas. But I turn them loose in front of the Red Zone channel, because the Red Zone channel is football constantly. uninterrupted by commercials. And I feel a little bit safer in that respect. I am sacrificing, as a Falcons fan, my kids' fandom right along with me. Okay, you're going to be upstairs? All right, just keep Red Zone on. Uh, and then I feel... Or comfortable because there's no commercials. You never know what's going to happen. So I feel like I'm crotchety because I have not been able to get into red zone. I've tried it a oh, couple that's times. That's fine. I don't, I'm not, it wasn't a red zone judgment. <laughs> you're, like, you're missing the point here, Yeah, son. the point is <laughs> you got to put something in front of them that has no commercials. Yeah, right. So you can walk away to, to you know, 
go grab a snack or something. Yeah. It's unbelievable and it's unrelenting the assault on your parental values and what you deem as good for your kids. You can't blink and 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 hope for the best in this world. Sorry, I have nothing. No, I, that wasn't a question, really. No, I just, I, I I just, just kind of you talk about soapboxes. Look at me. Sorry. Well, no, I'm just thinking. Like you, you said the that phrase, and it's so true. Like you can't blink, and I'm just like, man, uh, imagine if I was like really kind of engrossed in my computer at that point. You know. Well, see, this is more of a challenge for you and parents of young children than me. My kids are 19, 16, and 14. The insanities of this world have always been there, have always been escalating, especially in the last half century. But in the last five, seven years, you know, since you've been a parent, the world has gotten so out of control that I thank God all the time that my kids had established that framework, that foundation, that common sense that my wife and I instilled in them before this madness train completely yeah, went, went, went off, off the rails. rails. You never had that opportunity. No, no. And, and, and so like, you know, luckily one of the things my daughter has really gotten into the older one is she loves science and stuff. And so, um, there's like, like right now, the greatest thing is shark week. You know, because in general, although to your point, like I'm kind of holding my breath, but I'm like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm actually waiting for like how they're going to uh, slip in some of the stuff into like the uh, great white sharks eating, you know, seals live on television. I'm like, <laughs> is all of a sudden they're going to be like some, you know, wedding in the background or something? <laughs> I don't know, you know, but awesome. But like we joke about it like no. in five years, I'm going to be back. And you're going to be like, John, remember when you joked about the great white sharks and how they were going to slip stuff into mm -hmm. it? And, you know, yeah. well, I mean, you've got the. um leaked video from the Disney conference call where one of the employees there admitted, yeah, I slip in stuff on my own agenda. As much as I can. As much as I can, you know, places, you know. So, I mean, there's not, and nothing's outside the realm of possibilities. I want to talk about other jobs that you've held. I yeah. cannot imagine working on top of a roof. Oh, my goodness. Was it in Texas? Uh, no. No, it was, was in Wisconsin. Okay, it was, okay, still. Still, it's not, it can't be pleasant up there. I think I think um, that a lot of people probably have an experience where they realize what they don't want to do for the rest of their life. For me, that was a summer of roofing. Yeah, we had a family friend who owned a construction company, and so I was looking for a job in the summer. And he said, "Hey, why don't you come? Why don't you come help me?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds great." Oh boy, man, I was. Uh, I would I would get done on um on a job like for the day and I would just be black soot yeah just everywhere from ripping up roofs and you know all that stuff it was one of the most miserable times you were praying for rain so you could go oh, home oh my goodness I bet I bet you would look at the forecast and you'd be like oh my gosh please rain all day I want I want a flood yes please <laughs> yes and that was even in Wisconsin where the summers aren't bad yeah you yeah. know. Um, and so, uh, that was, that was one of my worst jobs, but also one of, like I said, it was, it was good to know what I do. Like talk about the motivation to go to college for yeah. me. That was it. Uh -huh. And now listen, there are some people like, I don't disparage mm -mm. my wife and I were talking the other day. We're like, 
are we like what are we going to tell um our daughter about college and i'm going to say hey if she wants to go great but if she doesn't mm-hmm. like you know that uh, really become a fan of what mike Rowe has been oh yeah talking absolutely about absolutely um and i actually got to meet him here when we were when i was at the blaze and and that's kind of really when he started that mike Rowe works and he had left he had left dirty jobs at that mm-hmm. point now he's back Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I have grown in my thinking of like, listen, if my kids don't want to go to college, like I don't view that as like a failure, No, you know, my, my, my grandpa was a plumber, mm-hmm. you know, a, a small business owner, right? Like if, yeah. if my son wants to, my son wants to become a plumber, listen, there are, there are plumbers that make a lot more money than I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm right there with you. There are so many people that have skills and talents that I will never possess. And you know what? They're very important to me yes. because I need running water. I need to be able to flush a toilet. I need a roof on my house. I need my garbage picked up. I would never in front of my kids or even privately disparage someone that, that works with their hands or it's a blue collar job or they, they go home at the end of the day covered and soot, yeah. right? And, and smell like garbage. Yeah. Because what would your life be like without them? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm with you 100%. You don't have to go to college to make a good living and, and do a job that someone somewhere is always and that's going, meaningful. going to need. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you were a camera operator covering high school and college sports. You know, I did a brief stint. What was it? Prestige Cable. Cherokee County, Georgia, North Metro Atlanta. Uh, there might be some old community tapes from the cable uh, system up there. Because remember, you used to be local cable Yeah, that's, that's what I worked for. Yeah, so I would be the play-by-play guy for high school sports. You were basically uh, on the staff as the camera operator. Yeah, that was my first foray into media. So in, in high school, I was a big football player. But I, uh, I tore my knee the beginning of my sophomore year. Mm. And... Looking back, I would always kind of blame like losing my passion to play on that. What I realized though, once I was diagnosed with anxiety and OCD is I kind of had this perfectionism. And once I couldn't perform at the level, instead of being like, hey, you know, I'll just get by or, or you know, do a different position. Mm-hmm. I just quit football altogether. And um, w- I was approached though. Um, my brother was working as a cable guy. For the local, um, for the local TV station, and he said, "Hey, we need camera operators. All right, do you want to do it?" There and I said, go. "Yeah." I, it was one of my favorite jobs of all time. So I went from roofing, worst job ever, to uh, being a camera operator, and it was like as many games as I wanted to do, I could do. It was fun on the headset. It yeah, was, it was the camaraderie was great. You cool. got to see great, you know, sports, and so I became. I did it all through high school and college. And that was your first uh, entryway into media. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so even like when I um, direct now, you know, it's like I never thought, you know, listening to my director in in the headset that I would be doing that. But there are some, there are times now where I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool to see that come full circle. That's really cool. Uh, Biggest impact on you, obviously, Jesus and your wife, whose name has caused some confusion in your world. (laughs) Uh, her name is Brett. My wife's name is Brett. Yeah, there are. Uh, it's funny. We uh, last school year at the beginning of the year, they send out like the parents roster, you know, and and all the parents' names and their phone numbers if if you decide to be on it. And so they sent it out, and like the first 
mingling that we did with parents, like my wife and I show up and like the, they call them room moms, you know, the ones that kind of take the, take uh-huh. the she's like, oh, I thought you guys were uh, not husband and wife, oh. but husband and husband. And that would have been totally fine, I'd yeah, like yeah, to point yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> so that, but uh, she, here's the funny thing. She went to a Christian college in Colorado after we met in New York. And every year, every year that she got placed in the dorms, she'd show up and she would be had been assigned to like a guy's dorm. Oh, God. and she's like, "You guys do this every year. Every year. can you just like <laughs> make a note, uh-huh. Brett? She's a woman, <laughs> you know." <laughs> um, so, uh, but she has been, uh, you know, especially, especially uh, in my journey, my mental health journey, right? Like, she has just been such a That's solid, great, a solid person. And one thing too, and I talk about this in the book a little bit, but is I I think we people who may suffer from mental health disorders, we don't realize exactly what our friends and family members go through, especially our spouses. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I even dedicated a whole chapter in the book to friends and family members and spouses on how to deal with this, you know, giving them some love and encouragement. And so she has just been a rock. That's so great. Yeah. That's so great. Let's, Let's go into your house here. Um, where you live with a, a guy named, Bre- um, sorry, your wife named Brett. <laughs> no. Uh, and, uh, you guys have three dogs. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Let's, okay. Tell first, first, just tell me about Gus and Lulu. Right. So Gus is the OG. Okay. The original Guster. Okay. We've had him since our first year of marriage. Cool. So 13 years. Nice. The guy's got tumors all over his body, uh, but they're actually not cancerous. They're like fatty. They're like yeah. lipomas. Yeah. And I mean, we thought we've been, we've been saying it for the last two years, like, you know, Hey, this is it. This is it. But he's not sick. Like he just, he's, he, he's still top speed. Yes. Nice. Yes. What kind of dog is he? Oh, so this is fascinating. Oh, yeah. He looks like a beagle kind of basilet hound. And so that's what we always thought he was. So yeah. I had a, found a sale on the dog DNA tests and we got it done. The dude's like over 50% Chihuahua. And we're like, what? Wow. Like he looks like a hunting dog, you know, like a small compact little Jack Russell (laughs) hunting dog type thing. Okay. Dude's the dude's over half Chihuahua. Okay. So he's, he, he sleeps, he sleeps with me every night, sleeps at the foot. He's in charge. He's yes, but he's not ornery. Yeah. You know, they they just respect him. The other dogs. Yeah. Lulu, what's she like? She's a a mini Australian shepherd mix. And so she is um, really smart. Okay. Um, she herds everything. Right. Well, you can break that, you know. The herding? Yeah. But it's it's not like... They, see, my dog... excessive. Tanner was knocking over the kids. I had to break him of it. That's... The, they kind of do that side scoot. Yeah, yeah. That side scoot. Come on, kids. We're going in now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're like, all right, cool it. Yeah. <laughs> so that is funny. Yeah. Let's talk about Teddy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. See, this it feels like a regret. Like maybe no regrets. So yeah, no regrets. <laughs> you should have put under any regrets. You should have put That's Teddy. That's true. What what's going on? Well, with so what the happened is my okay. Chihuahua Teddy. This is a PSA <laughs> for all you people who buy dogs off the internet. No, okay. no. We did not buy a dog off the internet. Okay. My niece, who lives here in Texas, mm-hmm. got a wild hair. No, no. I don't know if she was like drinking too much one night or something. Been there. She bought. A T 
tea. I'm, this is my air air quotes. A teacup chihuahua. Oh boy, baby off of Craigslist. Paid like five hundred bucks for it. Met like this woman in the parking lot. Like hand the dog over, you know. And sure, like as a as a baby, the thing was about like the size of my fist. Uh-huh. You know, you're like, oh, it's teacup. Beauty, right? Well, then the dog started growing up, mm. and it wasn't so teacup. And what my niece didn't realize is that apparently what we have found out mm-hmm. is chihuahuas are the hardest dogs in the world to potty train, especially small ones. Wait, I've got a, well, I got a chihuahua beagle mix. So, was, oh no, are you sure Teddy's just not deficient? Well, very, very, <laughs> very possible. <laughs> wow. Because, because my little Matilda, oh. there's nothing, there's nothing going on upstairs. There's nothing, <laughs> but she knows when to go out. Yeah, well, how old is Matilda? Well, I mean, we got her as a high to weight SPCA, you know. So well, Teddy's puppy. nine months old. Okay, so. So, but what the problem is. Oh, Teddy, come on now. She gets Teddy. She realizes, oh, I don't have the patience as a 20-something-year-old, you know, young person who's going out and yeah. but to, to, to potty train this dog, not giving him the attention. So she comes over one day and she says, and I just kind of ask, you know, in, in a little bit of I told you so, because I, I could tell like the excitement had worn off. I'm like, so how's that little chihuahua doing? Oh, no. And she's like, oh, I'm actually, I'm actually about to put him on Craigslist. Oh. And I'm like. And, For 600 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? you got to make a profit. Yeah. And I'm thinking, <laughs> so my wife and I have rescued dogs yeah. our whole life. Cool. And. I know what happens to chihuahuas that get put on Craigslist, right? Like they become like pit bull bait for some dog fighting ring. Oh no, know? no. So I stop her and I say, listen, oh, gosh. you're not putting that dog on Craigslist. Like we'll take it. Yeah. We'll, we'll take care of it. Well, we didn't know exactly. Like we didn't know the levels of the fact that she hadn't really been providing this dog structure and consistent potty times and like all oh, that stuff. She's gonna be a great parent. And <laughs> yeah. no, no offense. And now to the niece. this dog is like he chews everything. <laughs> he poops and pees all over the place. Like, uh, like this week he started like limping. He's like on three legs. So we had the whoa. vet. We took him to the vet. And what did he do? What, what did he jump off a stair? What? No. So apparently I found this out again. Oh, no. If you would have done your research on chihuahuas before you bought this dog off oh, Craigslist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The little knees. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Every now and then Matilda will jump off the bed and, yes. and yip. They have degenerative. Yeah. Really their kneecaps can... pop out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the 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 vet is like, listen, this is just. He's Here like, it is. Yeah, it's just. And he's gotten a little overweight since we got him because mm-hmm. like. And that's what hurts the knees yes. too. So yes. you got to watch the diet. So then we had to put him on a restrictive diet. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you can do surgery for this, but he's like, it's really expensive and like, it's not worth it. Yeah. Just you cut know? the food back by 25%. Right. And, and he'll lose done. weight and yeah. it'll be better. Yeah. So that's our saga with Teddy. My wife. I'm with you. Every day is like, we're getting rid of this dog. Ooh. Careful. But we, we, oh, no. <laughs> my daughter had wanted a hamster forever. And my wife was like, I'm not getting a hamster. That thing's going to be dead yeah, behind Ted, the couch. Teddy will eat it. Well, so we we said, we'll take Teddy and daughter. This will be your present instead of a hamster. Cool. Now my wife is like, why didn't I, why did I just, why did I not say no to the hamster uh, or say yes to the hamster? Uh-huh. The hamster would have been better. Now you got to name, rename Teddy hamster. Ooh, that'll that's help, a good idea. Right? And then that'll really <laughs> that is a good confuse idea. your child. 
Okay, so, all right. You obviously, you stay busy as a parent. Um, you, what, what do you work with wood or something? You know, so you, we had talked about the fact that like, I'm in front of my computer yeah. all day, every day, right? And, and especially as a small business owner, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, if I have a client who needs something, I'm not, you, you, within reason, right? But I'm, I'm, if they email me or they need a file or they need something like, I'm opening it up and I'm, I'm, I'm sending it off. Right. So I'm just in front of my computer a lot. And so what I've realized, and this is something I've realized with my anxiety and OCD is, um, I need to be doing stuff with my hands, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I need to be tactile. Yeah. So, um, basically every year around Christmas time, cause it usually take about two weeks off for Christmas. I find a new hobby to work with my hands. So one year it was woodworking. And so I started woodworking. I started an Etsy shop and I was selling like wood coasters and I would brand them for people. Uh, the next year I got into knife making. Wow. So I like even, I had my own forge. Like I watched like every episode of Forged in Fire. Oh. And I would forge my own knives. How cool, and make man. my own knife handles and order like exotic woods. And um, and so that just like- every, all in. Yeah, every year. Well, what did we say when we, when we opened up? Like if we're gonna, if we're gonna go yeah. in, we, yeah. we go all That's in, right? right? Mm-hmm. So I, um, I, I just try to find a new hobby. And so like one year it was, um, uh, motorcycles and like fixing my own motorcycles and like creating um, uh, baggage out of ammo cans to put on the side of my motorcycle. You know, like <laughs> it's just stuff like that. So I, I always have to find something to do with my hands so I can be away from my computer. Um, and so actually my most recent hobby, which this one is, has stuck. Like I don't really do the woodworking. I don't do the knife making anymore, but I, I love cooking. Really? So I do all the cooking in my family. What? Yeah, I do all the cooking. What's like, your best dish? Um. Oh, okay. I have two best dishes. Okay. Uh, and so this also encompasses like smoking meat, right? Yeah. So I have a uh, barbecue ranch beans that I take brisket and bacon and brown sugar and they're smoked. I smoke them for hours and they are the best beans you will ever eat in your life. Okay. And then I have um, pork belly burnt ends that I do. So I get- oh, Okay, I'm big into the yeah. burnt ends. Man. Yeah, so I get pork belly and I, you know, I smoke it and for hours and um, we call it um, baking like candy. I might go to Heart 8 Barbecue today and just get the smoke, uh, the burnt ends. Can you get just the burnt ends from you them? You know what? Maybe not. I might going to- now, now, that, now that you say that, I might walk in there- all right, what do you want here? And there's you know, a dozen choices. Hey, where are the burnt in? You know what? I don't know that there are. <laughs> it's funny. I did, that stinks. I did go to a uh, barbecue restaurant recently where you could do that. Oh, which one so, was it called? I want to go there right now. Is it in Dallas? Let's go. Come on. No, I can't remember. Let's forget this interview. We're done. <laughs> We're done. No more questions. We're going to go I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, okay, hold on. Uh, so what, what's, what's your most prized creation that you've made out in the wood shop or workshop? I have, uh, my dad is really into fishing. Okay. Um, he retired down in Tennessee recently and like basically just fishes like all day, every day. Mm. 
And so kind of bugs me that you said down in Tennessee when Tennessee's really over from where we're at. In yeah, Texas. it's 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 from oh, being in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Oh my yeah, bad, my yeah. bad. Okay, carry on. Sorry to interrupt. That, with that's, such a I guess trivial... I guess that's still my true north. <laughs> um, yeah. So I like for I I can't remember if it was Father's Day or Christmas or his uh-huh. birthday or something. It was it was when I was really into knife making, and so I made oh, cool. him a fillet knife. Oh, for nice. His, for his fish. And I made it out of, I'm trying to remember the wood. It might've been like paddock or something. It was like, or purple heart. Or it, it's just a really beautiful, beautiful wood. Wow. And the, the knife blade was, I actually didn't forge this knife blade. I You can buy the knife blanks. Yeah. My son makes knives. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. And so, um, cause I actually tried to do the forge on my own and it was like, you know, it was like a hundred degrees outside like it is now. And then you like fire up this forge, which is like 70,000 no. degrees. No. And I was like, I mean, I would lose weight right, right. really fast in the yeah. garage. Yeah. If I um, have to do anything in my garage here in Texas, it's, it's December through February or nothing. Yes. So, um, that, that is one of my most, um, prized possessions. In, in fact, my dad just texted me a couple of days ago. He's like, he showed me a big, uh, a picture of this like massive fish that he caught. And he's like, Hey, used my fillet knife that you How made cool. me you know to, to 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 fillet this fish so i would say that's my most prize i i love i love that that knife turned out really well and the fact that it's for your dad and yeah. he's using it and yeah yeah it just means a lot that's really cool okay so you're into country music if there is one artist one artist Ooh, yeah. that you want me to listen to that this is your last ditch effort to get me into country music 46-year-old guy who literally only likes Garth Brooks' greatest hits. Devil went down to Georgia. That's pretty much where it ends for me. What would you have me listen to on the drive home today? On my way to the uh, burnt end store. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe let me alter this a little bit. Okay. I, I think what the music... I, I like country slash Americana, right? So so there's a, a, a few artists that I feel like really fall into that category so i'm gonna need, i'm gonna give you four but mm. i am gonna give you my top one okay i'm writing them down and okay just go go from four to one okay four to one um larry fleet he's kind of a newer guy okay larry he's fleet. he's more on the countryside okay. um luke combs yeah yeah okay you know i like him mm-hmm. um and then now we're getting into the more americana okay Jason Isbell. Is he from around here? I no. don't know. No, no, okay. And then my number one that I listen to all the time is Drew Holcomb. Okay. And he's got Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. And um, I love Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. Okay. All right, Drew Holcomb. It's, so it's more, it's it's Americana with with just a little bit of country. Drew Holcomb did this cool thing during COVID. Um, he him and his wife would record Facebook because his wife's a singer too. And they would record covers of great songs in their kitchen with just a guitar. And once, once they could get back in the studio, they then took all those songs and they recorded them on three vinyls. Nice. And, um, and so I actually have the vinyls, uh, signed, um, that I play of all their covers. Oh, cool. So their original stuff is great, but then it's cool to hear them sing. Yeah. And, and they're singing classic stuff. Like they're like Johnny Cash and mm-hmm. you, you have, yeah, Dolly Parton, you know. Okay, um, very nice. Um, 
yeah, just really, really good stuff. So that's my that that would be my favorite. Oh, I do like Johnny Cash. I should have said that when I was talking about country. If so you want, if you want to Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. Yeah, and and if you know Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors and you're listening to this, tell them that I say hi and please, um, I would uh, love to meet them. All right, <laughs> y'all pass that on. Okay, last book you read was The Terminal List. I still need to see that show. So good. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and so I kind of. By, by the way, Jack Carr, episode fifty six. Uh, at the mic if you want to go back and check the archive. Okay. You mentioned Brad Thor earlier, yep. big fan of your book, Finding Rest. Yeah. Brad Thor was episode 58. Wow, you! Ha- I love gonna, how you like have yeah. that in your head. No, that's what I've been looking at over oh, here on okay. the computer screen while you've been talking. So it's funny. <laughs> I, I, read, I read fiction. I listen to nonfiction. Okay. Fiction, listen to nonfiction. So okay. I have actually read... Um, and listen to more books this year than ever in my life. Yeah, it's a good way to do it. So I'm, I've, I, the last book I finished reading was The Terminal List. Terminal List. Mm-hmm. I'm currently reading Brad Thor's Rising Tiger. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his newest one. Um, fell asleep reading that last night, not because it was boring, oh. but because and that, that's. I mean, that's the problem with reading in bed. Yeah, it happens right. to every single one of us. You open the book, and then you're like, to go back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read an entire chapter of this book tonight, <laughs> and then you wake up like an hour later, and you're like, wait, why did I get to page two? Yeah, what is this? Yeah, yeah exhausted. Yeah. Or like you, I mean, I read on my Kindle, but so I'll like bookmark it, and I'll be like. I don't remember any of this page. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's the other thing. That's the other thing that happens. Now, the favorite book you've read is The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis. I have not read that. So C.S. Lewis is my favorite And author. that's who you would go back in time to visit if you go to a historical Absolutely. figure. It's a good one. I'm a huge C.S. Lewis fan. I named my son after C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool, dude. So now C.S. stands for Clive Staples. I did not name my son Clive Staples. Oh, that would be weird. That would have been bold, though. It would have been bold. Mm-hmm. But... Um, J.R.R. Tolkien and a lot of um, C.S. Lewis's contemporaries, like he was affectionately called Jack. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's, it was just hitting me. I knew that. It was just hitting me when I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even have to flip back. I was like, Jack. Yeah. Just yeah. as you were saying it. Very cool. So my son's name is Jack Lewis. I love it. Um, And so I, I just, The Abolition of Man is such an important book that I reread it every year. It's oh, a, it's, good. it's a it's a it's short. It is so important right now. It is all about breaking down relativism. Mm. It is an assault on the relativistic culture that we live in right Need now. To read it today for sure. Oh yeah, now more than and so huh. that, that's why I reread it every year because to your point, uh-huh. we are getting assaulted with with messages every day and one of the the basis of a lot of it is relativism you know find your truth there is no there is no universal truth what i say is true if i experience it then it's absolute truth right i can you know i i can be whoever i want whatever i want whenever i want Mm -hmm. and so um the abolition of man is is it's so interesting i think it was written in the 50s or 60s but it applies, and it applies today. Like probably you, better. You see the roots. I mean, the, he wow. he foresaw it as a problem back then, and yet yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah, it, his words are still relevant today. I would give anything to have him write just even an article on what's happening today. Right. Um, right. With how relativistic we've come. So I actually make sure to read that book every year. So it's it's just fresh, right? It's just. 
Yeah, because you're constantly being accosted and assaulted with a relativistic worldview. Yeah, and that's one of those book titles that I've seen. Like, here are all the books written by C.S. Lewis, but I had no idea of anything about it until now. Thank you. Uh, you know, well, ironically enough, speaking of Jack, you know um, the 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 trivia of C.S. Lewis and John F. Kennedy. Yeah. So C.S. Lewis died on the same day that JFK was assassinated. You know what? And, I did not realize that. And that was that. just buried in history that that the man never got his due because I did not realize that chaos that. was going on in the world. Yeah. yeah. So my wife and I, um, in 2019, we started planning a trip for 2020 and we were going to go to, uh, like, we had it all, it we hadn't bought the tickets, but we had the itinerary all planned out. Mm-hmm. And we were going to go to London and we were going to visit CS. You can visit his house. Wow. You cool. can go to the pub where him and Tolkien like came up with the concepts for the Chronicles of Narnia yeah. and yeah. Lord of the Rings and, and, and where they bantered back and forth about it. And like, it's one of my, I mean, COVID took away a lot of stuff from us. Uh-huh. Right. But like the fact that I didn't go on that trip and couldn't go on that trip. See, you missed like, out on a much cooler trip than me and my family missed out on. We just missed out on Brownsville, Disney World. <laughs> oh. yeah, you know, but but your story's better because that that that's an experience. I bet oh, you'll get there. You'll get there, and maybe you'll get there with your kids, and they'll appreciate it. That's true. With you, that's true. Although my my daughter is like like her favorite animal is a koala, and so she made me promise that um, her and I are taking a trip to Australia to go visit koalas. So yeah, good luck not getting detained. Uh, here's a thought for you though. You need to really condition your kids. I don't want to say condition. That has a negative connotation. You actually need to make sure that your children have a deep appreciation for C.S. Lewis so that they will want to go on this trip with you someday. That's very true. And so actually, um, my daughter and I, there's a, a really well done audiobook version of the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just a guy reading it. It's like voice actors and like, Ooh. you know, there's Ooh. sound effects in Ooh. the background. That sounds good, dude. Yeah. And so um, we've started listening to that and she loves it. That's awesome. And that's, that's what I love about C.S. Lewis, right? You, you you listen to him, you, you read the Chronicles of Narnia as a child and then you're introduced to his stuff and you're like, yeah. You know, there's some trust there, and it's like, oh, right, that's a good point. This is that guy. You know, yes. I mean, if, if Disney's going to do it, right? Yeah. Like, well, I'm going to do it, right? Somebody should rank the C.S. Lewis books in maturity level. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, you start with Chronicles of Narnia, and by the time you get to um, Screw Tape Letters or something, yes. the other end, you know? Yes. Um, I will say the closest I ever came to wanting to be in theater acting was I went to a performance at the Cobb Civic Center uh, in Marietta, Georgia. And it was Chronicles of Narnia. It was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And I, I, w- I mean, that was as close as I came to wanting to actually get in that business. Um, right there is C.S. Lewis uh, on and stage. There's a great actor, um, Max McLean. Uh, he does a lot of like one-man shows. Um, he does, like when I was going to school and living in New York, he did a, a variation of the screw tape letters on stage. Mm. And just That's absolutely awesome. incredible. Yeah. Now... Um, Someone who is very similar in stature to C.S. Lewis would be Ben Stiller, <laughs> right? By the way, Ben Stiller, if you if you uh, find folks want to go to YouTube after this uh, conversation with John Suttle, 
I keep trying to pronounce it right, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, Atone so, for your sins. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. More C.S. Lewis talk. No. Uh, you, go to, uh, you go to YouTube and you go to type in Travis Band Closer. There's a video by the band that I love, Travis, and they did a song called Closer, a music video, and there's a cameo of one Ben Stiller in it, and it's absolutely hysterical. So, uh, but you almost ran into him on the streets of Queens. So when I... Um, like literally almost ran literally, into him. So when I was <laughs> at The Blaze, and we were all in New York still, so I, um, as a managing editor, like my shift started really early. Like I would start at like five in the morning, right? Because part of what uh, my job was, was to find interesting stories and to, and to basically, I mean, you know, this as a producer, you, uh-huh. you, you prep the show, right? You, you, you prep for the morning. And so I would have a list of stories for people to look into, to make calls on and, and kind of all that stuff. So my day would start at five in the morning. Well, by, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon, then my day was done. Right. Cause I mean, I was just a pumpkin. Uh-huh. And so what that meant is I would get done with work about three in the afternoon and I would have, you know, two and a half, three hours to myself before my wife got home from work. Okay. And so we were living in Queens and I, I'm a, I'm a huge wing connoisseur. Like, like I a know. Huge you, wing? Yeah. Like, like Buffalo wings. Oh, oh hot wings, stuff like that. So okay. I put there. Chinese food is my favorite, like guilty pleasure. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, yeah. But right, like it's like 1A and 1B. Okay, okay, okay. But but I also don't consider wings guilty, you know what I mean? <laughs> like because I can I can, I can can pretend that they're healthy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all that to say, in Queens, I found my favorite place that I could get wings. And I don't even think it's in, in existence anymore. It was called Five Napkin Burger. And they had this place in, in Queens. And so at 3 o'clock, I'm on happy hour, right? So I would go... I would have some beers. I would have wings. How did we never do a happy hour in New York, you and I? I know. And they would have they would have like hand hand rolled sushi rolls and like it was awesome. So I go there. I'd go there a lot of days at three o'clock, have a beer or two, have some wings, and that would be like my my late lunch. And then my wife and I would eat when we got home. Well, this restaurant in Queens, people may or may not know this, but Sesame Street is filmed in Queens. Oh, they do it right there. They, yeah, Astoria Kaufman, Astoria Kaufman, or Kaufman Astoria Studios. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. And so it's it's a studio like Mercury Studios where we are. I mean, there's a lot of things that film in here, and there's a lot of time or a lot of uh, room. And so they actually film a lot of other shows or movies on these sound stages. And so I'm walking back from one of my happy hours, and. Literally, how happy were you at that? Point? Yeah, right. That's what I want to know. I, I mean, good. Like you're doing I, well. I, I realize, I, you know, I had all my faculties. Okay, good. All right, good, good. I'm walking past Kaufman Astoria Studios, and out, like I'm kind of looking down. You know how it is in New York. Like you don't mm-hmm. look. You, you know, you kind of just look down. Right? Yeah. Well, well, the tourists look up. Yes. And those of us with places to go look down. Right. So <laughs> I'm kind, you don't want to make eye contact with people. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm 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 walking out, and and I'm kind of you know focused down. And literally, like, I, I, I kind of do, like, the old, like, oh, whoop, whoop, sorry, you know, and kind of scoot around this guy as he's yeah. coming out the door. And then, like, it took my brain a minute, and I'm like, wait a second, I know that guy, or <laughs> I've, that guy's familiar. Yeah. And I look back, and as he's getting into his limo, he just gives me one of those, yep. 
you know, like, like in my head, yeah, in my head, I'm like, wait, are you, yeah. he, he didn't have to hear me say it. He heard me say it in my mind and he just looks at me and he's like, yep. And I will say, you know, there's a lot of jokes about Ben Stiller's height and whatnot. He is as short as you. Wow. How tall? Like, oh my gosh. Do you know? I mean, so I'm five, six. I think he's a little shorter than me. And if, and if the internet says he's taller than five, six, the internet is lying. It's like those guys on, you know, the, the, um, the, uh, I'm seeing five, six and I'm seeing five, seven everywhere, but you're saying no, no, oh, no, dude, that at least five, no, no taller than five, five, no taller than five, five, no <laughs> taller than five, five. He does not look short when you watch him in movies. Well, it's kind of like Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Like How Tom, tall is he? Tom Cruise is about that. Oh, wow. I think Tom Cruise is like five, six, five, seven. It's and five seven, yeah, yeah. So you would never know that, right? Well, all these pictures of him and uh, other celebrities popped up when I typed <laughs> that in, and they're all kind of like hunching down, nonchalantly, yeah. kind of. Yeah, but can hunch- I tell you this? Mm. Um, the reason I ended up with my wife. My wife's a blonde bombshell. She's five eight. Right? Okay, I'm five six. Uh huh. And I think there are a lot of people, even people listening to this, who they don't like to date shorter men. Yeah, um, it could be a deal breaker, right? And so. But my wife said the reason that she never gave it a second thought is she said, yeah, that is true that that a lot of times taller women don't like to date shorter men. Uh-huh. But she said it's because they have short man syndrome. Like they're always trying oh, to. Napoleon type. Yes, yeah. exactly. She goes, it's, she's like, it's like you don't realize you're short. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, great. She's like the confidence that you have, like, it's a, you, you don't like shrink or, or try to make yourself taller when you're around me. You know, so she's like, you don't have short man syndrome. And that's, that's why I was attracted to you. Good for you, I'm like, man. I thought it was my brazen, brazenly good looks and charm. That's totally what it is. <laughs> uh, okay, so you like to play the drums? I am a drummer. I taught myself how to play drums when I was young. Man. Just picked it up. And by the way, episode 90, Jesse Haliwa, a local weatherman here in Dallas, Fort Worth. I know, I know, WFAA. Yeah, he was a. Uh, he and I have talked forever, and it came up on our conversation that he's going to teach me how to play this one Toe the Wet Sprocket song, and we never did uh, sync up on that, so maybe I'll have to pass the baton to you on uh, getting that done. Let's come on. Okay. All right, so anyway, you, so, you taught, taught yourself. Yeah, so taught myself how to play drums, like played in the church for like mm-hmm. since like starting when I was 12, and have played ever since, um, and haven't played as much recently because i because i actually haven't gotten into more of the media side i volunteer at my church and like they're like hey we need you <laughs> like we need you directing our live stream yeah. and kind of that so so i gave up the drums to to direct the live stream and and help on the media side but um <laughs> but i'm such I'm, a nice guy i'm a tapper right you'll oh 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 yeah oh that that's where i drum that's all i do is i'm a yeah that's all i can do though i can't take sticks and do that you know I it, it drives my wife crazy sometimes. She's like, <laughs> she'll like just kind of put her hand over. I got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, good for you, man. Um, is there your go-to song that you like? If someone says, "Hey, play something for me, John," or is it just you know? Yeah, it's it's kind of like I mean, I have a go-to beat that like like that yeah. I'll like. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, everybody does that. You right? know, it's See, just. I like, wish I could just do that. Yeah. <laughs> um. But 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 since I taught myself, I lack a lot of the uh, the uh, fundamental skills. Oh, okay. You know, so I just you, you know just, there are people that are way better than me because they actually know what they're doing. I just play by ear and I feel. Yeah, yeah. You know? Just go with it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's uh, let's go back eight years. 
Let's also point out it wasn't happy hour. No alcohol was involved. No alcohol involved. But you were at a wedding. Thankfully, not your wedding. Um, eight years ago, you were uh, you were you were an adult. What mm-hmm. happened? How? I mean, I can't even believe you wrote this on here. You pooped in your pants. Yeah, this is Al Roker style. Oh, I, I, it was oh, yes. Oh, did we want to tell this story? Yeah, because I, I have learned to celebrate my failures. Okay. Um, Good for you. I so eight years ago, I was actually, <laughs> I was actually on a diet at the time. Okay. And oh, okay. So some friends of ours were getting married. Um. And we actually like help them through like their premarital work, you know, like mm. making sure they're compatible and mm-hmm. through our church and stuff. And so um, we get to the wedding. I had been on a diet and we show up and they, the food that was catered in was like Maggiano's little Italy, you know, Italian. So like as carb, cream, heavy, like everything was just heavy, 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 right? Okay. I had been eating like, salads for like two months you know so i get there and i'm like well i gotta eat something like i'm dying yeah and so i start eating and and i didn't even go all out man it's not like i like tore into the lasagna and just like gorged myself but you know i had some bruschetta started there maybe had like a little alfredo maybe like one bun breadstick Mm -hmm. playing it smart you think i am not kidding you within 10 minutes my stomach just drops and it is this ain't salad yo no right (laughs) like it's like oh what have you done oh no and so this is it's the it's the reception and so i go to one of the groomsmen who i know and i said hey chris where's the where's the where's the bathroom he's like oh it's like right around the corner there i'm like okay so i go to the bathroom and, and I'm telling you, the engineers who built this place, they need to have bamboo shoots under their fingernails because they created a bathroom in a reception hall that was a one-stall men's bathroom. One urinal, one stall. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I kind of do the thing. I go in there and I and I could see someone was in there, but you you do the thing where you pull on the door just yeah. so that they know you're there right, right. waiting. It's like an unspoken rule. Like, this is, I'm right, here. Right. Well, you don't have to say, hey, who's in there? Right. Can you come out? Oh, okay. But I can see, so it's like a polished concrete floor. So I can, I can see that the guy's just like oh. candy crushing it. On his phone. Right. No, this ain't, oh, bro, this is a bathroom. Right. When it's a one staller at a reception. That's like, a fair point too. You have to you have to be like this ain't I don't have options. Yes. Let's go. So I kinda wait around and my stuff like I can just feel it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So And you have no idea who's in there. No, and he's not getting the hint. So I go back out and I go to I mean, the, I mean banging um, on that door. I go to the groomsman again. And I said, is there any other bathroom? He goes, no. So I go back into the bathroom. I do that again. Yeah. I do the door thing. And and I can see he still like doesn't flinch. Like just, you know, candy crush. Does he say anything? Nothing. He doesn't say and occupy, I, doesn't no. say one moment. Oh, sorry. And I let out the old like, <sighs> you know, so he knows. Nothing. I, so I'm like, I'm gonna have to go in this urinal. Yeah. Uh, something. Somebody better not walk in. Right. And so I finally, like, one last dish effort. I, I get, I come out of the bathroom, 
I go to the groomsmen again and I say, I bet you're sweating now. Oh, I'm, I'm, you're just absolutely sweating. Up. Oh. Absolutely sweating. I go to the groomsmen and I say, Chris, th- this is a, an emergency. Like, um, because it was like there was a wedding chapel and then the reception hall and they were separated, you know? So I said, are you sure there's no other? He's like, I think in the wedding chapel, there's one. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. This was eight years ago? Yeah. So you couldn't have gotten away with going in the women's bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> like if it were today. Right. Sorry, continue. Well, so I go. So he's like, here, I'll walk you there. Okay. So he's walking me there. And bro, I'm just like. Right. Now now, now your gait is changing. Oh, yes. You're like, don't oh, walk so fast, yes. bro. But then he starts like, hey, how's life? You know, and I'm giving him just real short because I'm like, if I utter one more word than necessary, yeah. this is going to end badly. Uh-huh. Right. So he finally escorts me into the bathroom and it's where like all the groomsmen like got changed and kind of all that stuff. Right. And so I'm like, okay, great. Thanks. Okay. So I'm like, okay, all right. I think I'm going to make it. I think I'm going to make it. I close the door. I get my pants all undone and I go to pull them down. I was in a suit. You know what got me? The, ins- the cummerbund. No. The inside button. Oh, the ins- no. So my body had timed this perfectly. Oh, timed the perfect yeah, yeah. release. That's awesome. And did not account. Didn't account for them. For the fact that in a suit, you have that extra button on the inside. And bro, it just started coming. It just started. And and you were like literally hovering. Yes. You're like, I'm here. Stop. <laughs> yes. I got it. I did my best. Yes. And but it gets better. Oh no! So it's just all over my mm. pants, um, in my underwear, and here I am, a grown man sitting there, and I'm just, I'm just like, I, mm. I'm, I'm speechless. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, my wife texts me, because this it's been like an hour. Yeah, because you have no, you're not carrying an extra pair of clothes, no. an extra suit for the wedding. No. So she goes, where are you? Everyone's asking where you are. And I said, babe, you need to come immediately to the wedding chapel bathroom. I said, I've, ha- I've had an accident. And so she comes. Oh, no. Guys, she walks in. Oh, no. And the look on her face, because what had happened is oh, no. I got to the point where I started trying to clean myself up. What I didn't account for was that this stuff was in my underwear. And as I was trying to take off my boxer briefs, Mm -hmm. the elastic band acted like a slingshot and slung poo all over the ceiling and the wall. So as I'm trying, like it literally, I literally looked like a monkey that had flung poo in the bathroom for an hour. It's just all over the place. Here's what your wife should have said. Tell you what, I'm gonna go and tell the wedding party <laughs> that you're dead, and then they won't they won't ask where you are anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I like we like. Is there a back way out? Is there any way just to get out? Forget the wedding. I'm no. going home, man. So she walks in and <gasps> like she's like, okay. And so we kind of like take it step by step. So we like put my pants underneath the sink. We at least get them washed out. We put my shirt under the sink. We get that washed out. We throw my underwear. We, oh like, yeah. Put them in a bag. Good we night. Throw them away. It's right? over. But she's like, hey, listen, they're about to do pictures. And since we did their premarital counseling, oh, like, no. we're required. I can't stand next to anyone. <gasps> I, I, it smells. Right. So <laughs> long story short. Oh, no. She's like, we have to do the pictures. Then you're going to be out there so just luck, buck naked. Luckily, I had not. I didn't have my. Um, I had left my suit jacket in the in the reception hall. 
So she goes and gets my suit jacket. We put it on, and it, it, this was a summer wedding in Texas. So even though my shirt was wet, it just looked like I was like getting busy on the dance floor. Like maybe I was just sweating. <laughs> and the suit jacket at least covered the back of my pants. Okay. And so we went in there. She goes, she tells the bride and groom, hey, I know we're doing pictures. Uh, we just got to do them real quick. We, we just got a call from the babysitter oh, and we have to, we have to leave. And so God. the f- greatest thing is that there are pictures of me with the bride and groom. And like a month later, I got to tell them, guys, see that picture that we took together? Yeah. I had just pooped my pants. They didn't, they didn't smell anything? It's No. They were oblivious? They were oblivious. Well, then you should have not told them. But I, 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 it's, it's one of those stories that's <laughs> yeah. so incredible. Yeah. And again, no alcohol involved. Maggiano's oh, okay. little, little Italy restaurant. Thank you for literally exploding me oh, at a wedding. John. So that's my most embarrassing story. No, that qualifies, definitely. Okay. Well, look, if you want more unvarnished truth... Um, you got to get finding rest. Now, you like that? I like, like that. that. I mean, it's a, I, mean, I try. You're a professional. Yeah, sure. Uh, finding rest, uh, an invitation to grow deeper if you struggle with anxiety, OCD, other, any really mental struggle, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's that's going to be the title of the workbook. The other one is just finding rest, and it's got a longer subtitle. Okay. Amazon, um, other But place, just any? go to Amazon. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And on social media, um, I can't find you. Why can't I find you on Twitter? What is it? At John Seidel, J-O-N-S-E-I-D-L. And that's what? what yeah. Because I found a John Se- Hang on a second. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Is he Im- impostering me? I don't know. Well, I'm not going to do this right now. Okay, so hang on a second. So where are you on Twitter again? J-O-N-S-E-I-D-L. S-E-I-D-L. Okay, so look for John Seidel on Twitter, and um, and we're going to have pictures of the tattoos uh, when this posts, right? Yes. All right, cool. Thanks for my, I appreciate you making time here for At The Mic. Thank you very much. Keith, sir. you're the best. This has been great. Just two friends catching up. Love yes, it. Yes, sir. Oh, by the way, look, I found my... Uh, oh, yeah, Coolidge. My Calvin Coolidge <laughs> uh, uh, 3D printed thing. That's all. Woo-hoo. Yeah, Georgie and Calvin. <laughs> Man, John is such a great guy, and I do hope you were able to take something away from today's chat uh, that is able to help you in your life. Great guy, John Seidel. Now, next week, as we round out my Blaze Connections month of interviews on the podcast, I'm going to sit down with Aaron McIntyre from the Blaze's Steve Dace program. Now, in previous episodes, I've sat down with the other two gentlemen who make up the Steve Dace program. Of course, Steve Dace himself. That was episode 17. And one of his producers, Todd Erzin, that was episode 64. So coming up next week, we're going to round out the trifecta with Mr. Aaron McIntyre. Now, until we meet again, I sure would appreciate it if you would just take a moment to rate and review this podcast. If you feel that it earns five stars, please do rate it as such over at Apple iTunes, Spotify. Don't forget, you can drop us a note through the website at themikeshow.com. There's also the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash at the mic with Keith. Your subscribing over there would be so greatly appreciated. It does help more people find this show. And if you could tell your family and friends about this podcast, I would certainly be very grateful for that as well. And you know I repeat it because I mean it. Until next time, I do hope you will go be free. And I thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to atthemikeshow.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect. Yeah.